What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend editions here at Tail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. We are... At different parts of the globe this morning, or at least uh, the old Big Eight. Uh, Chris Schmidt, uh, great to be with you. We are in South Denver. It is absolute Stanley Cup madness and also Husker Night with uh, Rockies baseball. We are on the road for Junior's Legion team. We're playing uh, some baseball. Uh, Castle Rock was the venue yesterday, the great home of Mike Knox, former Nebraska linebacker. So that's why I'm on the road. Elijah has his coffee IV in studio in Lincoln. Mark Cranach in his Husker Den in Omaha. Fellas, good to be with you. We are streaming live this morning on ESPN Lincoln's Facebook and also ESPN Lincoln's Twitter handle, Numbers to get in at 466-3776 or 800-825-5865. That's how you get in touch with us. You can also interact uh, with some, some comments on Twitter or Facebook. Cranach, you look uh, well-rested, my friend. How are we doing? I'm feeling okay. Are you inside of an embassy suite? It just kind of has that vibe. Yes. Where I think you're going to go to the manager's special coming up tonight. <laughs> And you're probably having the buffet this morning. I, I look, fellas, I, I need someone to just uh, take me out back and put me out of my misery. I We went to dinner okay. late. Let's go and, Old Yeller on you here. Yes, uh, it is Old Yeller right. time because <laughs> I was up a, a little later than I should have been. I was well behaved compared to past decades. <laughs> and Cranach, you've been on the road with me for those. And it's all good, but you get to a certain age, and you think you can eat certain things. Yeah. And right now, I'm fairly certain there's a cloud around me. Uh, oh, that <laughs> Folks just need to stay away. So I'm, I'm in the middle uh, of, of Embassy Suites here in South Denver. Yeah. And uh, I feel miserable, quite frankly. Uh, but you know what? Uh, it, it'll get flipped around. It'll get turned around. Next commercial break, I will beeline for the $17.99 Pepto-Bismol uh, that is at the, yeah. uh, the, uh, the the gift shop trinket area up front. But, no, it's uh, it's been a good week and a busy week uh, in regards to Nebraska. Another rendition of Friday Night Lights. Uh, Nebraska able to make some things happen on the recruiting trail early in the week. And, you know what, we're uh, – we're less than uh, 75 days away from Ireland, Cranach, and I know that makes uh, that makes you smile. Yeah, it's uh, it's coming a lot sooner than you would think, and of course oh, the oh, uh, Huskers oh. are also releasing quite a few social media clips of the workouts, the summer workouts. I've heard they've been working harder than they ever have. I've well, heard that the summer workouts have been more difficult than they've ever been before. 
Good. Um, that's good. And, and you know, the guys look good there. The guys look good. But Friday Night Lights, 300-plus uh, folks coming in. Today you'll have the pipeline camp, so it'll be kind of the younger offensive linemen prospects that come in today. But you alluded to it, the, the Riley Van Poppel commitment uh, earlier this week. And, dude, he gets pretty high praise. Pretty high praise. Like, one of the – one of the higher rated and better looking defensive line prospects that Nebraska has gotten in quite some time. And knowing that he comes from professional stock, albeit a different sport. Uh, yeah. Well, father you were Todd a big... Van Poppel being a pro pitcher. Uh, yeah. That's always a good thing too. You were a big, um, I'm sure you were a big Van Poppel guy. Uh, we all were children of the nineties that uh, remember Van Poppel is the next phenom that uh, we all wanted to collect. Uh, Riley's got uh, a really good uh, body type and frame, and uh, some nice things are projected for him uh, on the interior. And, you know, it kind of goes more into that brick-and-mortar aspect of getting interior that is super fast and athletic, but also they've got to be able to handle Saturdays in November against Wisconsin, against Iowa, against Minnesota. I mean, you've you got to be able to do both and uh, and get after it. Uh, you know, we we see the summer workout videos. We, we know there's uh, excitement. There's trepidation as well. And it, it's also, Cranach, uh, tis the season for prognostication uh, when it comes to Athlon, when it comes to Phil Steele, when it comes to uh, the world of college football, the Hale Varsity yearbook release party is coming up Thursday uh, at uh, the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista, which is a sweet venue. College World Series is going on. So I mean, there's a lot happening uh, for Nebraska fans. But overall, Cranach, uh, the Husker fans you bumped into, what, what side of the dial uh, is – the direction pointing more optimism or skepticism more fear or excitement man that's a really good question because i i truly feel like it is more split down the middle than i can ever remember yeah i feel like it has to you do know? with how much money they have on the the over on the win total this year <laughs> interest no but really there there are enough folks that i've talked to that are you know legitimate fans that could name mm-hmm you know, multiple players from multiple teams in multiple years, right? That's like, you know, and I, I hear everything from, yeah, it's just got to work with all these transfers. It's got, I mean, you get all these transfers in and these guys, obviously they know how to play and they're ready to go and you don't need to worry about them being rookies and developing. And of course it's going to work, right? Like there's quite a few folks like that. And then there's others that are just shaking their head. Like, come on, you really think a band of mercenaries is going to get this thing done? Right. Like and that's and that's really those are the two sides of the spectrum right now. And that's funny. Quite honestly, quite honestly, I'm Switzerland here. I <laughs> I'm right in the middle of that because I'm just like it, this team, this program has been the most impossible program to predict. For like two decades now, I mean, they're mm-hmm. ridiculous. They're impossible. They're impossible to predict. Like whatever people. Hey, what do you what are your predictions for the season? You're like. Have you watched the last two decades? You think I have any clue what no, they're going to do? When, when it's, you it's, think anybody saw when, 20, 
You think anybody saw 2007 coming? Or 2017 no. coming? Or well, any of the yeah. Scott Frost years coming? It's just like, no. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to get three wins or ten. I don't know. Do you? You know, Do you really? You, you talk to folks, and it's fun. With I mean, Cranach, you love this, man. Between being a volleyball dad and a baseball dad, you're you're on the road as well. And, you know, folks, it's fun to sit and, and have a beer after a game or before a game, or in some instances, you got a Yeti cup during a game, and, and just shoot the breeze while there's a pitching change or something, and the, and the topic of Nebraska football comes up, and everybody knows somebody, right, that has uh, a take on it, and the opinions also vary. Uh, not with my money or your money am I betting that it goes well is, is some take. Uh, you know, this is the year. You love the changes. It can come together. If Mel Tucker can do it, why not? Why not Scott Frost? Uh, when it comes to just hitting the lottery in the portal, Nebraska's gone very heavy uh, that direction. And uh, can he strike lightning twice in the same league? And I think I think you got to give Nebraska credit for their um, their commitment to, to getting this thing flipped around, but you, you just still don't know because no. uh, you you are you are acquiring without and you'll do your background, but it's still kind of winging a prayer with the chemistry aspect and this month being so important for that and you know the the narrative I, that you hear and that is most important I think to me and in, in the room is. Offensive line's got to be money. It's got to be incredible. But, man, you're going to need to have really good quarterback play or competent quarterback play. And does that mean it's Casey Thompson? Does that mean it's Chubba Pretty that that seems to be getting, you know, a push? Well, don't don't count Chubba out. I mean, there's there's that narrative uh, out there as well. How are... How are uh, teammates connecting with uh, with the quarterback room? And there's still a large contingent of guys that have been on campus that aren't transfers that are trying to get this thing flipped around. Uh, a lot of the offensive linemen that that really like Smothers and they really like Purdy and man, they're they're working with uh, with Casey Thompson. So that dynamics super important because. You've got a yeah the Garrett Nelsons of the world that are that are absolutely deathly tired of of getting beat and and so close and yada yada yada, and then you bring in a, a new bunch of guys and can can the old guard connect with the new guard and put their right foot forward uh, with and I'm going to air quote here as you're watching us on ESPN Lincoln's Twitter handle or Facebook live on ESPN Lincoln. Um, with, with a manageable schedule. And that's the other part of this. What exactly is manageable in the Big Ten? <laughs> right? Where's the, oh, wow, where's the surprise win that, that gets you, all right, they're back and they're ready to go. And where's the, oh, no, they just did what? They dropped a surprise game. Uh, Ohio State's dropped surprise games. Michigan's been upset in Big Ten play. Purdue has been on both sides of the ledger. They've had the high of beating Iowa. They've had the low of, who did they just lose to, right? I mean, so, and, and, and even Illinois dirtied their way into a surprise win or two uh, despite some really bad seasons. And uh, out of the blue comes the Northwestern to find their way to Indianapolis. 
two out of the last four years. So that dynamic is extremely intriguing on top of this. Well, here's 15 dudes, uh, their, their uh, history, their talent, their stats in college football say a lot and uh, say, say good things. Uh, does it hit? Does it pay off? Think of how ridiculous it sounds. Whether or not it's true, it's fine. But where it's like, well, with the new offensive line coach, Donovan Rayola, mm-hmm. what the team is doing now is they're firing off the ball and they're was, locking we, we, people we harder. We just talked now. about that last You're night. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> is that what we're doing now? <laughs> oh. Austin forgot to tell them to, you know, yeah. come Austin's off the ball. Austin's only put and... X number of guys in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, ooh. Yeah. Right? Well, no, That's I think Raiola's like, going to be nice. Now they're going to – the offensive line is going to start blocking people harder. That's what's happening now. It's just, it sounds so ridiculous. Maybe it's true. I, I'm just trying to understand like how how well, that light bulb didn't come on yeah, before. Like what? <laughs> Where it's like, I mean, was are we to believe that Austin was just like, no, nope, not gonna have these guys come off the ball and hit people. Not gonna do it. That's not what we do at offensive line. And Frost is just like okay with it for a few. So like, what are we even talking about, right? And will we really be able to see if that's the case or not? We'll see. We'll see. And I know offensive line's a little more nuanced, and there could be some truth to it, right, in terms mm-hmm. of styles of, you know, sort of catch and release versus, like, spear fishing. <laughs> All right? There's, <laughs> there's a little bit of a difference, right? Like, they're both fishing, but uh-huh. one of them's a little bit more aggressive than the other one. Just, just um, a shade. So will we see that? Will we see an overall more aggressive team? And then, you know, quarterback-wise, I know Casey Thompson came in with the fanfare, um, but he has not won at a high level. Not, neither of these guys have. Neither is, so is one of those quarterbacks, do they lend themselves to winning more? Because mm-hmm. if it's – look, if it's just about skills and ability, then you do everything you can to keep Adrian Martinez here. Skills and ability-wise, dude was right. fine, right? But in terms of being able to – Having that X factor to to pull off the W, that didn't really happen much, right? Obviously. So which of the guys that Nebraska has now gives you the best chance for that? Because that is going to be the number one thing, if it hasn't been already, especially in the month of September. Like you gotta you gotta start racking up some W's like quickly. And I know there's the the whole talk of well, it's not about the results, it's about the process. The process, you focus on the process, and then the results take care of them. Not in September. Not in September 2022. No, it's about the results. <laughs> like, well, and this about the process all you want. Transitions you better rack up well. W's in September 2022. Well, in here, the other part of it, too, hey, of Varsity Radio Weekend here. Uh, I'm in South Denver. Chris Schmidt, Mark Rainack. In Omaha, Elijah Herbal is in Lincoln as we are covering the old Big 8 just for you uh, region uh, on the road for baseball. The other part of it, too, is is what what's the momentum like towards the end of the year? Is it bowling? Yes. Is it how do they look towards the end of the year when it comes to 
Trev Alberts's mind's eye, right? The uh, the 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 undocumented or or posted air quote metrics. Uh huh. You know what? What's the metrics we we speak of? Are they in in uh, in Trev's mind, or are they on a whiteboard somewhere? Point steadable or bust? Is it is it four and one? Is a four and one start and a one and four finish? Uh, does the math you do to get to six, seven, or eight matter? Uh, and you know you want to you want to finish strong. And I really think November's. It's going to be a lot of fun for once. That's a bold prediction. November will be fun. Does that mean they go undefeated? No. Does that mean they finally get over the hump and uh, knock off a couple of teams you want pelts on the wall from? I think so. I mean, I think you need to go at worst two and two in November. And as you finish that stretch, what, Minnesota, Michigan, Iowa, Wisconsin? That's that's okay to ask for if you're a Nebraska fan. You're supposed to get better as the season goes on. And uh, I think uh, November will be pretty telling. I think Nebraska, they should, they should have a, uh, a bull bid sewed up here by the time they reach November. That's not a lot to ask for either, despite these question marks. Yes, it is. is uh, what's up? That doesn't happen since 2016, man. It's... It's a bit I to know. ask for. There are human beings. You think, you think it's still a right you now. think it's still a big ask? Well, there's seven year olds walking around that haven't <laughs> seen this whole thing happen. <laughs> this kid's going into first <laughs> <Yeah>. grade. <laughs> yeah, there's like, which time? I mean, uh, you, you know, know there, there are like lives that are yeah. There's seven, that's a bit of time. Remember thumbing your nose at the poinsettia bowl or the yes. Chick-fil-A.com some of us still do. Yeah. Remember those days? Remember how great that was? To be able to be like, got to go to the Holiday Bowl again. Bunch of crap. <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> what are they doing? Getting to the Holiday Bowl. I know it's this a is bowl, Alamo not Bowl really. garbage. I know. And now it's just like that's the Holy Grail. All hey, time. Elijah, how does New York City in the pinstripe sound? <laughs> no complaints from me. No, comp- yeah, I'll go to Detroit. I'd love going to Detroit. I hear it's beautiful in December. You're it. <laughs> beautiful. Any right? town in America where Nebraska is playing in December is a beautiful, beautiful place in my book. Man, it's, it, it is Shreveport. <sighs> Man, that's where it's, we at. We uh, where we at. We have Nebraska, according to our friends at Twenty Four Seven Sports. These are the national writers. They've had some bold predictions for Uh-oh. college football. They have Uh-oh. Sparty finishing fourth in the Big Ten East while they're still in East Division. They have mm-hmm. Nebraska starting 5-0. and oh. Oh. That includes a win over Oklahoma. That includes making Cranach smile in Ireland. That includes taking down Oklahoma. You get off to five and zero. Oh, oh. Uh, and then you you get a bye. That means you beat Indiana, and then you you've got Rutgers on the road. Start October looking up 7th. Detroit flights at that point. <laughs> you start looking up, yeah. Like, let's go, Motor City. Do you celebrate when they get to six wins this year? That's a cause for mild celebration. 
Yeah. I don't think you go streaking down 172nd and Dodge or anything. No, it isn't. So it maybe is you moon o- somebody out there. It is an O Street cigar time at midnight. But it could That's be like funny. pop open that old bottle of 1971 Chardonnay you got sitting around like six. I think it's a six wins this year. I mean, come on. You know how long it's been? I was a junior in high school the last time Nebraska made a bowl game. <laughs> a junior uh, in high school. That's kind of ridiculous. That's crazy. I think we could pour some on the curb. Right, but I also think it's uh, some sort of ceremony. I also think it's interesting. We've got to the time of year where the national media has changed their tune, and instead of being uh, really down in the dumps about this Nebraska team, they start going like, "Oh, you know what? We can get some clicks here, and we can start making some bold." Oh, Nebraska's going to go five and zero here through the first uh, month of the season. Oh yeah, click. It's it's that time of year again. I didn't know if it was coming this year, but it's not unrealistic though. It's not. (laughs) not And that's the worst part. Oklahoma is completely a new program, Big just time. like Nebraska's, right? Like honestly, well, it's all the guys that participated last year, like almost all been replaced on both sides. Want to get uh, Elijah's thoughts because he's close to uh, some of the folks on that offensive line. You, you mentioned, you know, twenty. You were a junior in high school the last time Nebraska went bowling. Now you're a full-grown college graduate with a porn stash. Mm-hmm. Love uh, so I'm interested in Brock Bando, teammate of yours. He's a uh, super senior. You've got Hickson. That's that's ongoing right now while no one's popping pads. You have guys that have been a pro- part of the program quite a while. You've got new pups that are coming off injury that you need. You have to have. Prohaska and Turner Corcoran at a high level. Uh, you also have guys that have either transferred in or have been in the program. Bando's one of them. Hickson's another. You know, uh, let's handicap this offensive line race for a moment when it comes to center and both tackle spots and, and even the other two on the interior. You've got to replace Jurgens. And that narrative's shifted over the last three years of what you have and now what you need to 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 reload with. Uh, and Bando's a guy, I think, Elijah, you tell me, man, he's seen it all. He's been through it all. Uh, he's a guy that really has gotten for that guard spot but um, has a, a lot of talent. He's persevered quite a bit. And that to me, that's really important because if you're a team that can persevere – uh, you'll be able to find a way to win a couple, three games that are really tight, theoretically. Well, y- you look at the offensive line race. This is something we, uh, Will and I actually talked about with Brandon on Thursday. Whenever, uh, we called him up. and it, it, The offensive line actually does feel like it's starting to come together, despite all the uncertainty in the, in the spring of who's going to be where. Uh, are guys going to be moving around? You didn't really know what to have, but it, it only a, a couple short months you go from not knowing where anyone's going to be to, well, uh, uh, Prohaska is coming back well off the knee injury, and it sounds like he's going to be a full go for fall camp. And if that's the case, I think you can pencil him in at left tackle. Based on how uh, Newelli played last season, I think you can pencil him in at left guard, even though uh, it does sound like there's going to be a battle for that left guard spot. I think Newelli's a guy you can pencil in there. Uh, Trent Hickson, uh, sounds like uh, you can pencil him in at that center position. Though There is going to be some competition. It sounds like they really like his move from guard to center, and he's a guy you can pencil in there. Right guard, it now sounds like they're moving Turner Corkin from right tackle down into right guard. That was the news out of this week, and almost sounds like he's a pencil in spot, uh, a pencil in guy there. And then it leaves you 
a race at right tackle where you assume Bryce Binhart's leading the, the charge, but you also have a, a transfer in Hunter Anthony that is going to make a push for it as well. And from all the uncertainty, I mean, even with the new position coach, you always expect it to be an open race. And I think we've sort of moved past that where now you're, you're starting to get a pretty good idea of who the, the guys along the offensive line are going to be. And it's a lot of guys we've seen a lot from. And is that a, a good thing or a bad thing? It's it's. Uh, up in the air in my book whenever you look at how it performed last year the offensive line as a whole you go well it's a, a little bit worrisome these same guys are going to be the guys that are playing this season but then you also uh, look at the development side of things and with a new offensive line coach they're going to be firing off the ball as mark Ooh. said so um <laughs> maybe maybe it's cause for optimism but with the transfers they brought in from uh uh hunter anthony from oklahoma state uh, as well as uh kevin williams, kevin right, williams from the, the northern guard colorado. from colorado northern colorado by way or sorry I'll say Omaha North by way of Northern Colorado. Yeah. You thought those guys could be making a push, and now as you get a little closer to the season, you're not hearing their name as much, and I think that puts a little bit of worry into my mind, but maybe the, the development from guys that you were expecting to be, super, not superstars, but really solid pieces of your offense line. We're talking high three-stars and four-star recruits. Maybe they're finally starting to come into their own. Well, Cranach, you know that it takes a long time to water and get good on the lines of scrimmage, and Nebraska – either out of necessity or just this is the best we have a lot of years has played a lot of young people so i'm not ready to shut the book on on ben hart on piper on hicks and on a lot of these guys and they've got a new voice a new coach and and they've still got plenty of time to improve and kind of uh streamline their craft but on the other hand You've gone out and got Williams. You've gone out and you've got Hunter. Uh, and you're still relying on Cor- Corcoran, who doesn't have – he has one full season under his belt. You're relying on Teddy, who has a handful of starts. And Teddy's really good, don't get me wrong, or at least we think he's really good. You're, rely- you're relying on a, on a freshman, for the love of God. Uh, at left tackle, coming off uh, the, uh, the the trifecta knee issue. I mean, that's that's scary. That's scary if you're a Nebraska fan. So let's book Detroit, right? Okay? <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's do it. Yeah, a lot of questions. A lot of questions, as there often are. Um, probably more so this year than a lot of years past, though. That is Mark Cranach, Chris Schmidt, uh, Elijah Herbal, weekend edition. It's Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, that is uh, a waterfall behind me in a uh, South Denver embassy. They have all three uh, throwback uh, jerseys at the front desk here for you, Elijah Herbal, of the Avs that are going into action with the Stanley Cup tonight. And uh, we'll step aside for the rewind. Coming up, Gary Barnett joins us. It's Hale Varsity Weekend presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio. And I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. 
Now back with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery into Hour 2. We're switching it up just a bit. We are off to uh, Colorado to see Coach Barnett. No, I'm kidding. Uh, the, the doors would be locked, but uh, we need to talk to Coach today because I'll be on the way to Colorado tomorrow. Coach, how's the week doing? Uh, week's going well. We had some nice, cool weather come through here, uh, although it's going to be gone by the time you get here. But, uh, yeah, things are, things are going well here. So on a scale of 1 to 10, your desire to, to have a beer at a Rockies game Saturday night is what? Oh, listen, that, that's, uh, that's, that's top drawer right there. That's, that's, uh, that's a great place to go to a game. I don't know how much of a game you'll see, but it doesn't make any difference, you know. When you're when you go to a baseball park, it's, it's you, you're just part of history and nostalgia and baseball. And so, yeah, that's a great place to go. I mean, it's it's a great stadium, and uh, hopefully you get a good game. But uh, yeah, it's a party down there. Yeah, it's it's fun, and and that's uh, some of the the plans uh, for for Junior and his team on Saturday. Uh, we'll get to some football in a minute. I want to get your thoughts, though, uh, on on the U.S. Open. That gets underway tomorrow out in Brookline, Massachusetts. And uh, a thought from what you've seen and read with some of the different press conferences. Of course, John Rahm, uh, pretty impassioned. I loved his uh, soundbite from yesterday. Phil just looks like he's aged a little bit. Uh, Rory's been outspoken and uh, and oh by the way yeah it's it's another major on deck tomorrow what have you made of uh, golf this week the drama well it's uh you know in in one way it's really good for golf and so it's uh i mean the pandemic alone did more for golf than anything that's ever happened but uh uh now you know it's the old uh, any publicity's good and there there's a lot of publicity around golf right now the the LIV and mm-hmm. all the things that are being said it just for for guys in the sports uh business sports radio business is probably pretty good <clears throat> you don't have to worry about what you're going to talk about each day but uh yeah they just pr- keep providing sound bites and hits and you know uh news so it's pretty cool i mean it's interesting and uh, you know, I did, I did get a kick out of Rom, uh, you know, and he, he is a member of the club that I'm a member of in, in Arizona. And I've got, I got to know him just a very little bit when he first joined and just coming out of ASU. Uh, and he's, he's an impassioned Spaniard man. And, mm-hmm. um, and Rory, Rory sort of seizing the horn, seizing the horns right now. He's, he's sort of taken, taken over speaking for the, for the league or for the PGA and for the tour players. And uh, it's sort of good to see that him sort of becoming so mature and, and being someone that everybody likes to watch and listen to and, and sort of roots for it out every doggone event. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. And uh, you know, I, I like uh, Justin Thomas, in this event, I don't know who you like, but I, he's playing so well and he's so good in majors. I think he's going to be hard to beat. I have punted on projection, and usually that's not me, but I don't know. I mean, I know of Brookline. Have you played out there? Have you played this course? 
No, but I have a good friend here in Boulder that uh, uh, was a member there and oh. has plays a lot or has played a lot. And, um, you know, it's a, I think it's a heck of a golf course and it's going to be a challenge. And if they let the rough grow like they usually do, you know, that's, that's going to be a, a good tournament to watch. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, U.S. Open thoughts. Some college football thoughts, a couple of interesting stories out, one with Adam Rittenberg at ESPN, and uh, he touched on some programs that are trying to to go from from good or respectable to the elite level. We spent some time on it yesterday. Uh, the Athletic is doing their state of the programs, and, you know, there's some concern down in Texas, and then... We uh, we look at Athlon in Nebraska the last week, the uh, the dreaded anonymous coaches uh, deeming Nebraska the all get off the bus team. They look tough and imposing, but they'll screw up at some point. So don't worry about it. <laughs> I mean that's that's the word on on Nebraska that Frosty and company are trying to change. I want to start with Texas coach, and as you look at that situation. Uh, as you have Texas poised to move to the to the to the SEC, and and you have Sark that went five and seven, is Texas and their brass down there? Are, are they on the verge of of being too impulsive when it comes to to their their expectations? And and I look at Mac, and I look at kind of the chain of events, coach, and and the coaching changes that Texas has undergone, and. I mean, is, is Sark in trouble already in year two, or is it just getting turned up because of how bad year one went? Uh, probably a combination of the two. I think that uh, no one expected Sark to go, what, five and seven yeah. last year. I mean, and nobody did. Um, nobody saw that one coming. And uh, I think – it's all based on the image that Texas and Texas high school football and the kids who sign with Texas, um, the persona that it creates, it, it, you still have to go back and, and look at what, what brought Mac Brown down. And that was basically the entitlement issue. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that ever goes away. Uh, and, and if it, if it does, it only goes away with, the fact somebody that's so hard nosed about it uh, that just creates a culture of of toughness, and you either buy in or you don't go. And so it's I don't know whether that's Sark. I don't I don't know if that's his style. And and I I, I frankly sort of think that that he's just a he's just the next guy in line for an entitlement problem. And um, you know, Sark has yet to really prove himself out there. And, you know, I thought it was a really interesting hire. I know that he went to the Nick Saban School of Rehab, and and that should automatically put you in a good position. But I don't know. I, you know, I think that combination uh, is such that I think he really is probably on the hot seat if he has any kind of a year that's close to what it was last year. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Colorado, Northwestern, and, of course, Missouri Hall of Famer. Coach, does, does Nebraska have an entitlement problem? Oh, I think 
through the years, that's true. I think there's been an entitlement problem. I think that the community, it's it's one of the things that you get when you have a community and a state that is so supportive of your program that the, those players are, are uh, reach a status within the state and then in the community that that can make you and and uh, make you feel entitled. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's all that's all that's a double-edged sword. There, that's what you that's what happens in in states and programs where uh, it is so important. But uh, you know that being said, over the last three or four years five or six years, seven or eight years, you know, that, that you think that would have changed a little bit, but you would also think that of Texas, you know, you would think that eventually people would see that that's what the problem is or not problem, but that's certainly not the solution. And, um, you, you know, somehow work their way through it. But, um, uh, I think that's always been a bit of an issue there. What, uh, how do you deal with it? You mentioned culture of toughness and the, the double-edged sword. And I look at, you know, the years Coach Osborne was there, and, yeah, you had players put on a pedestal. But, man, uh, there was uh, there was an accountability in the program. And it just it, you're just waiting for, for things to, to pop. Tell me about your your career. Did you ever run up against it at the spots you were and when once you got to a certain level, well, I was I've never been in a place where there's entitlement. <laughs> it's 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 always been an uphill grind, you know. And um, so I've never experienced that. And you know, I I know just talking to coaches that have worked at Nebraska, they've always felt like that that's really an issue mm-hmm. for them. But um, you know, it, it, it's. It, when you look back at Nebraska and uh, even Texas before um, problems uh, popped up Mm -hmm. is they could run the ball when they needed or wanted to run the football. Mm -hmm. And that is a level of toughness. And so that to me sort of offsets some of that entitlement issue. When you can run the football, and as we're going to go on and talk about Nebraska, and I'm, you know, when I, you're going to talk about Mark Whipple, I know a little bit. And I, I'm just going to say, when you're a team that's tough enough to run the football when you want to run it, then you have a chance. And I think that part of the culture, that part of the inside culture, uh, eliminates or negates some of that entitlement issue. Tell me about Mark uh, a little bit. You're close with him. His persona, his philosophy, he, to me, seems throwback. And while he's known for passing and and uh, getting the best player of the football and really doing wonders at a bunch of different spots and really developing quarterbacks through his career, he seems, when push comes to shove, he wants to be physical with you. Is that fair? Well, you know, Mark and I are friends. I don't. I haven't been in meeting rooms with him. Sure. And I haven't. I, 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 you know, I haven't been on a staff with him, so I can't really assess that. Uh, I, I know that um, the good ones that I've been around um, are going to find a way to when when it 
gets down to when you have to win a game by running the football, you are tough enough and good enough, and you've got a mentality that when I have to run it and I want to run it, I'm going to run it successfully. And that's that's usually a culture and a toughness issue. And, and so uh, I, I think uh, as I look at everything and as I – think how Mark might assess it or, you know, when Sean Watson was there or some other guys that I've been around, um, that's the approach they're going to take. And while you can be electric and score points quicker and faster and, and, and you need to have that passing game uh, and, and you need to throw when you want to throw, but, but there comes a time in almost every football game when you have to run the a close game when you have to run the game, run the ball, and you have to get first downs, and that means you have to run the ball effectively when you need to run it and when you want to run it. Those are the those are the great teams, and um, the, and the better teams, I might add. So, um, my guess is whether. It, that announcement's ever made to a staff or ever made to a team, I don't know. But I know deep down inside, most offensive coaches would tell you that. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, Coach, a couple of teams that are on this, that elite tier discussion point from Rittenberg's article. Uh, You have Michigan State and and Mel Tucker, and and also uh, you have Texas A&M and Miami mentioned uh, that are uh, they're trying to figure out the, what you know what's next for them, and then Oklahoma State. I, I want to end and wrap with with Sparty and in Oklahoma State. Your thoughts on Gundy and and what Oklahoma State is going to be? Can they be the best in the Big Twelve, especially after this Oklahoma Texas departure? Uh, absolutely, I think so. It's funny. Mary and I were talking last night about the coaches. We had dinner with Coach DiNardo, and and we were just talking about the coaches that have been around a long time. And and you go back and think of the the coaches that have been in that position for the longest time. And you know, Gundy and Ferentz have to be those two guys. But um, you know, I don't have the whole list in front of me. But you, you think about how long he's been there. And uh, you know, I know when we played him. When he, the first year there, we actually shut him out. But you see what he's done and what he has access to. He's got a, a major financial supporter. He's in a very, very supportive state. Um, again, a state without professional sports makes it makes it other than basketball, of course. But um, you know, it gives you a chance with no pro football, and and you know, people are interested and supportive. Uh, of the sport, you know, he's in a good spot. You lose Texas and you lose Oklahoma. I mean, really, who else is out there that's really going to seize, seize that? Um, you know, Baylor, I, I don't think so. They, you know, you, you just don't have that same culture there. Texas Tech, certainly not. I mean, who's it going to be? Um, so I think they are probably in a position to, to really uh, take over that conference. What about Mel Tucker? Is is Michigan State a a spot that can be eleven and two, twelve and one? I know D'Antonio had a great run. We're talking three top three, top five, top seven in the country, beating Ohio State. He's done it there not long ago, less than ten years ago. 
and then Mel went 11 and 2 and I'm just wondering if Sparty's a one-hit wonder or if there is some staying power uh where they can compete again with Ohio State and and have their way against Michigan. They've been winning against Michigan up until last year. And they beat well, them last year but, too. But Michigan has been like the way you described Nebraska a few seconds ago, a few minutes ago. They find they've found a way to beat themselves and mm-hmm. you know the uh, when it comes to playing that game. But um, w- when you think of D'Antonio, what do you think of? Tough, just grumpy. There you go. And, uh, you know, it's yet to be proven whether Mel Tucker can produce that kind of team. Now, my guess is I think he probably can, but nobody knows that yet. Now, last year, we don't know. We don't know how good they can be consistently uh, because – you know, the, the running back had such a sensational year. But um, if they can maintain that, and, and I, like I said, I think he probably can after being with Mel for a year, um, uh, then I think they go, they are going to be pose, uh, poised to, to really be a factor in that league for a long time. Gary Barnett with us. Coach, thanks for a few minutes today. All right, Chris, great being, being with you. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code GBR. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it into Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, and, uh, of course, the uh, managing editor of HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. I'm the last one to the party in the uh, stream yard as I'm sitting in the group text. Where is everybody? Hey, uh, jackass, get in yourself. Uh, everyone's just kind of walked by the hotel lobby here. They get off the elevators to my left. And who's the dork in red uh, with his little broadcasting kit? Uh, it's me. It's Chris Schmidt in Denver. We're streaming live here on ESPN Lincoln Facebook. And uh, on ESPN Lincoln's Twitter, Brandon Vogel is in his football office. Mark Cranank is in his Oscar den. Elijah Herbal is chained to the studio. Fellas, good morning. How is everyone? Cranank, you got a grin going. What what what's what wheels are turning well, right now? It's it's just funny. Based on background alone, you can tell who would be a managing editor for a publication <laughs> versus versus a few guys that are just like, I could say words into a microphone. I read something once. Brandon's got a plethora of books behind him, looks very well read. Is that he's read. read. And, right. And then the rest goes, you know, so uh, it's good. It's funny. Vogues, I have not tested the uh, the, the waterfall temperature. I, I avoided that. Everyone's walking off. Uh, 
late Saturday night. Uh, pretty busy Friday, uh, late Friday night, pretty busy Friday night for Nebraska. We'll start with the Friday night lights portion of uh, another big Husker weekend, man. How are, how are you? I know you love this time of year. You've gotten all of your, your previews knocked out. The yearbook is ready to be dropped here coming up shortly in, in less than a week. The uh, the yearbook party at Hale Varsity Club is going to be incredible. Where Where's your patience level at? Not for Nebraska football, but for football season in general to get here. Uh, do you want it to hurry up, or are you still good here with a little summer chill before we go a thousand miles per hour into an, a, ver- a very interesting season. There's been a lot of interesting seasons. This may be the most. Yeah, it might be. Um, I'm, I'm still comfortable with summer chill for a little bit because I think n- now is the time where you start to see those markers where it's like, oh, 100 days out, 75 days out, whatever. We're somewhere in there. I think 75 or so. Um, that feels close enough that it's going to come up pretty quickly. And, you know, already making plans for for Big Ten media days in Indianapolis, and that's going to get here in a hurry. So I'm officially at a point now where it's like, okay, let's let's slow down and uh, enjoy these these couple of weeks that tends to be the off season and in the Hale Varsity offices at least between the end of the yearbook and then oh we we had a call on Tuesday about the August issue already. So uh, try to try to squirrel away a little bit of time, but most of that time uh, free time that I do have is just spent thinking about the college football season ahead anyway so is, is it among the most more interesting seasons simply because of all the movement and you it, it's just sort of like whatever chalk is you know you, you just don't even know what that even means anymore what is chalk like what would what would a season going according to plan mean when you've had so much personnel movement yeah, and personally, like, I'm super interested in that because, you know, over the past decade or so, you kind of felt like you had a feel for how the offseason works a little bit on, on a broad scale. I mean, on an individual scale, there's always a wide range of outcomes, and Nebraska proves that probably as well as anyone. Yeah. But now, in a transfer portal era, it's like, well, well, what do we know about, like, what we thought we knew about kind of returning production and close wins versus close losses is all of that altered. And I think it probably will have to be to some degree by just how, how quickly teams are able to flip rosters now. So from a strictly Nebraska perspective, I think this is the most interesting season in quite a while because I wrote my column on this in the yearbook. The stakes are pretty clear. Like we may not know the internal metrics, whatever those are that are going to determine what happens. Hmm. Um, But it, something changes on October 1st, the, the contracts reduced, the buyout comes down. Um, that's an indication of a clear indication of the stakes here. And while I think every Nebraska season feels a little must win, like there's a lot of pressure to do well here. Uh, this one is, is a, a level I haven't encountered in my 11 yeah. years doing this. And then broadly on a national scale, it does become a bigger picture thing of like, well, how much do we know? I mean, I feel pretty confident that Alabama's going to be good again. Um, but beyond <laughs> that, like, there's this vast middle of college football where we don't know what this new era has done to teams in the offseason. Brandon Vogel is with us, manage, managing editor, HaleVarsity.com and magazine, at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter, weekend edition of Hale Varsity Radio. As uh, Vogues is in uh, an SEC country, Cranach is 
in uh, in Omaha. Elijah comes to you from Lincoln. I am in. Uh, well, I'm I'm further and uh, you know far enough south of Buffland, but technically I'm in Pac-12 territory, which still seems weird to say. So when we talk that next mile marker, and that is media days, Vogues, what do you think the narrative? What do you think the narrative is around the Big Ten about Nebraska right now? We know, and you nailed it, yeah. In in a lot of years, the, the Nebraska question mark has been pretty visible uh, with what's going to happen. But when it comes to the rest of the Big Ten, <laughs> what um, what what what's the uh, the thought on Nebraska when we when we get with Indy? I mean. Where's Nebraska as a talking point in the rest of the league uh, for 2022? I think it'll be mostly about the amount of change that Nebraska has seen. And maybe not so much the coaches. Uh, I think there'll be questions about the new coaches and kind of how they assimilated in, in the spring. But that's kind of been processed already. I think, well, you look at they've got two transfer quarterbacks competing for the starting job and the most transfers in the Big Ten at this point. So I think that'll be the major, major talking point around the Huskers because, I mean, you can look at the the preseason win totals, uh, not just from, like, power ratings, but also where where those are being set for Nebraska um, in the betting markets and say that, you know, people think Nebraska should be decent at least, and it becomes a question of, okay, to get there, um, like – on the scale of worst version to best version, what do you need from a, a Trey Palmer, a Casey Thompson, some of those other transfers? I think that'll be the big piece of it. And in a Big Ten context, because Michigan State just did something similar, I think there'll be a lot of echoes of that, fairly or unfairly. I mean, Mel Tucker happens to be in the conference, but it's kind of the one example you can point to right now of somebody who won big uh, rolling the dice in the transfer portal. Uh, There's not a lot of other examples of that, at least not to my knowledge. Maybe Western Kentucky uh, would be one, but I think that'll be the major draw for those those people who maybe see Nebraska in person at Big Ten Media Days um, as opposed to us who, you know, see them on a, on a daily basis here starting or almost daily basis starting at the end of July. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio and as you dove into the Big Ten, I want to zoom in on, on Ohio State in particular. Now, look, Ryan Day's entering, is it year three now or four? I get confused. I think he's been there 37 years. Yeah. <laughs> I but think it's year four. Yeah, so he's entering year four. So you are now almost completely distanced from Urban Meyer and like almost um, and from his imprint. And to me, it's always stood to reason that Ohio State's going to take a step back at some point, right? Talent or otherwise, (laughs) Urban Meyer is pretty much the winning, most winningest coach like ever, right? Like he's he puts together a ridiculous winning percentage. And at some point and you could ride those coattails for a while. But at some point, you know, you're not Urban Meyer or probably not Urban Meyer, (laughs) right? So as you dove into Ohio State a little bit, um, is there any sign, and again, this could be wishful thinking, but uh, is there any sign that you could see them taking a moderate step back, which would mean a two-loss season versus a one-loss season? It's all relative here, but 
or do you see them as just still the hegemon, the one that's the out-and-out favorite in the Big Ten? I think last year was their step back. And, and I thought it was the potential to be that. Um, I remember writing the preview in last year's yearbook, and, like, Ohio State wrecks the scale. Like, you're talking about – you're talking about them on their own scale. And so last year's team, you had a, a, a redshirt freshman starting a quarterback. He was really good. He was a Heisman finalist. <laughs> so um, things worked out okay there. But the defense was legitimately middle of the road. And, and it got their defensive coordinator fired or he let, agreed to leave, however that was termed. And then they made a great defensive coordinator hire uh, in Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State. So – this year, I think they're really loaded for Bear. Uh, that offense averaged 43 points, something like that. Lose two good receivers, still probably have the best receiver in college football. Like, they're going to put up 40 points again. And if yeah. the defensive numbers come down, I mean, it's, it's Ohio State and Alabama as the two favorites entering 2022 for me. So... Yeah. But I'm with you, Mark. Like, and I remember writing this after whatever Urban's last game was, that bowl game, you know, writing after that, okay, it's Ryan Day's time, but Urban Meyer won like 82% of his games, and right. it's just really, really hard to do that. Like, I, we can all think Ryan Day is really good, but to be able to follow that up is almost impossible. And so far, he's done it, and I don't see 2022 being the year where that gets off track. Hmm. Brandon, I mean, Dang it. <laughs> uh, I, I think we all know that that Ohio State is the team to beat within the Big Ten. I mean, everyone knows how, how much talent Ohio State has and how good they are. But it also feels like every single year there's at least one team in the Big Ten that kind of jumps up and, and outplays expectations where you look at both Michigan State and Michigan last season. Two years ago, I think of Indiana or maybe Northwestern and year before that, I think of Minnesota and that 11-2 season they had where there's one team that it kind of comes out of the woodwork and, and nobody expects. Who, who do you think that team could be this season? And is there potential that Nebraska could be that team? Nebraska might be the team that has the best chance to do it because I think there's so much uh, uncertainty around them. Like, I think their ceiling is high enough that if they were to get there from this starting point, they probably are that that surprise team. Um, so it could be Nebraska, depending on how strongly you feel about Penn State. Like, I feel like Penn State's kind of getting slotted in behind Michigan State, so say fourth in the East. Like, Penn State, I think, has a chance to, to be a little bit better than that. And then, like, true dark horse, maybe Maryland. And mm -hmm. it depends on that Maryland defense like if they can get any sort of resistance at all i think that offense is poised to score a bunch of points and could win a handful of games that way you know again we're talking ohio state michigan in the east um but it's that kind of three four five range between michigan state penn state maryland that would probably seem the most surprising unless nebraska you know jumps to maybe eight or nine wins then that's probably the team that fits your description elijah Brandon Vogel with us, weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio Managing Editor uh, for Hale Varsity, Brandon Vogel, author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion, at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, where are you at with Purdue? The, the Purdue question. The, oh, wow, Brom went 9-4 and four last year. Oh, wow, they smoked number two Iowa. Oh, wow, they, <laughs> they lost... Uh, a couple of oops games and then with 
all of their NFL talent watching the bowl game because, you know, we're good. We're just going to get ready for the draft now. They still go beat a really on-paper talented Tennessee team. Do they stack it, and are they too trendy to, to ride as, 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 a, as a West favorite in a, in a wide-open West, or is Purdue forever going to be the the team that okay they can have a, a nine and three and eight and four with a couple of wins and then the follow up is bowless or at best six and six. Yeah, I, this is it's been an interesting twenty twenty two for Purdue because okay they end twenty twenty one on a high note and they are generating some very early buzz you know in the Big Ten West to kind of be a nine win ten again team again and compete for for maybe the big 10 west um and i could i could see that lost lambert their defensive coordinator wake forest that's a pretty significant loss to me and then post spring okay lost lambert lost two of the best players in the big 10 david bell and george Cardloftis. that's tough uh but you're bringing back a really good quarterback off his best season um but then post spring they lose a starting safety to the transfer portal went to kansas um, and then they lose Milton Wright to academic ineligibility. So in February, I probably looked at the West and said, if Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota, or Purdue wins this, it wouldn't surprise me. I don't know if I keep Purdue in that list at this point. Um, they, they could be. Um, and, you know, they're going to put up numbers. They're going to find a receiver. They've got a four-star freshman coming in from Texas who I think is, is going to be really good, and they added to transfer – um, a transfer from Iowa to help with that. Like somebody's going to come up with those catches. It's just not many people have a David Bell and, and Purdue doesn't at the moment. So I, I can't quite include them in that group. Um, they're kind of, they're a team where if they ended up seven and five or six and six, wouldn't totally shock me. If they, anything better than that, uh, they probably overachieved a little bit given how much they had to replace. You know, we've talked a lot, Brandon, about football and how transient the uh, rosters have been recently with with some of the changes um, allowing for more transfers. But it seems to have accelerated even in other sports, too. And I'm wondering if you see it the same way. Baseball's always kind of had a pretty transient roster situation, but it seems even more so. Is that how you're seeing it, too, when you're looking at Will Bolt's program and it's just like pretty much all – not all of them, but a big majority of guys that you heard all season, if you're listening on the radio or watching games, like, boom, they're gone. <laughs> There's a lot of dudes leaving right now. Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised. I've been a little surprised by the number of departures from Nebraska. Like you said, baseball was always kind of its own thing. You know, junior college kind of plays a different role in, in that sport. Um, so you had a little bit more roster movement. And it's also a, a partial scholarship sport, which I think lends itself to a little bit more uh, back and forth in terms of off-season moves. But uh, you look at the the list of guys that have left Nebraska, and you put it well. Like <laughs> These guys were fixtures in the lineup, and yeah. you go back to, to February, and you know maybe it was all too early, uh, but you felt like this program was in a really, really good spot and kind of set for the next two, three years with this kind of young core of talent. You knew there'd be a little bit of adjustment, probably not to the degree that we saw actually in the 2022 season. But now it's, you know, and, and maybe this is a cross-sport cross thing um, going forward in college athletics where 
you have those seasons where maybe you're young, um, maybe things don't go well, you, you have some expectations and you don't hit them, it almost feels like a reset. Um, I mean, Nebraska football, football's so big, it doesn't quite feel that, but like within that context, Nebraska football feels about as close to that as you can get um, with the number of transfers they brought in. So it might just be a different, a different era for college athletics in that regard. Brandon Vogels with us, Hale Varsity Radio Weekend Edition. And, uh, Vogues, before we wrap, I want to get your take. I want to go back to Nebraska. and we've I can't wait for the position breakdowns in the yearbook. Again, the yearbook release party coming up here the 23rd of June. So if you're heading your, uh, up to, to Omaha for the CWS, make sure you swing by the Hale Varsity Club. Come see us on Thursday uh, in uh, La Vista. Just can't wait for uh, the yearbook. Garrett Nelson on the cover. An amazing job by uh, phenomenal staff that cover Nebraska for you with Hale Varsity. You can subscribe, halevarsity.com backslash subscribe. Where's Gabe Irvin at for you in this running back conversation? Uh, I, God, we were both in Norman and just cringed for him. Uh, I salute his work ethic and determination to get back and we're wondering what what can be from this super talent in a really crowded room that that brought in some dudes and man uh word we're all getting is uh the running back room is really taken to coach applewhite and he's he's a standard setter and it's it's going to be good moving forward as long as applewhite's in that room but back to irvin uh what, what's what's his role? What what's what's the ask of him in 2022? Well, I think you know. So reports are he's he's a full go, which is very good news for Nebraska. I mean, being on the field from the very start of the season as a true freshman at running back is hard to do, um, and it's not hard to do in terms of carrying the ball necessarily. Like, there's a reason you're a power five running back, right? You're, you're pretty good when it comes to carrying the football it's all the other things um it's getting used to the speed of the game and being able to pick up pass blocking and be assignment sound all of that stuff urban's already checked that box um the fact that he was on the field that early tells you that he had so i think the expectation for him then is to pick back up where that left off but now i think he's going to have to compete for for that job and that's that's good for nebraska overall um You've got Urban. I think Ramir Johnson took big advantage of his opportunity and showed he can he can handle what they need to do there. Um, Yant, if you know his offseason progress uh, in terms of getting himself into what he feels is better better shape for what he needs to do, and then oh, you've got two new additions to to add to the mix. So I'm expecting it to be a really competitive room. Um, We'll see. Like the fact that Nebraska got this far without a departure from that group, I think, is encouraging. Uh, doesn't mean it can't happen, you know, after fall camp starts. But uh, it, it seems to me like a room where you're going to have a ton of competition. Somebody probably takes the lead there as a lead back, but I think you'll see probably three, maybe four running backs on a pretty regular basis during the season. Last thought on that: Does Nebraska need? Does Nebraska need the one guy, or can you 
do work with the we back plus then some in 2022, right? I mean, I'm, I'm interested with uh, the change of pace, the thumper versus the lightning guy. I mean, talk to me here a minute about how you foresee it being a, a success on the ground for Nebraska with all these all these kids in the room. Yeah, I, I think you can do it, you know, by committee for, for lack of a better term. There's still something to be said, I believe, for, you know, allowing a running back to kind of work themselves into a game um, and, and ride a little momentum. But in today's college football, you know, if, if Casey Thompson ends up being the starter, he's not going to have a Bajon Robinson sitting, standing next to him, you know, in the shotgun. And, and, and it's guys like that where – there's, you know, maybe 10 or 12 of them in the country every year where it's just like, well, we just give it to this guy as often as possible because because he's that good. I don't know. We haven't seen that yet from anybody in Nebraska's backfield. So I think a by-committee approach can work, and it gives you the opportunity to, to ride the hot hand a little bit. Um, it'd be nice. It'd be nice to have one of those 12 or 15 running backs back there, and maybe the Huskers do. We just haven't seen it yet, but – I can't, I can't go there until, until we get a little bit more proof. Brian, an avid uh, Husker fan, uh, wanted to scream, go Big Red here in Denver, Colorado's hotel lobby. He uh, waves at you, Cranach, and you, Brandon. He is now on the elevator, uh, sadly. Well, no, he, he, uh, he tipped the cap to you, Elijah. <laughs> but... He just—he still thinks you drive a, a wind, you know, a windowless van. I mean, that's just how it shakes out with the mustache. Um, Vogue's uh, real quick thought before we say goodbye on uh, the yearbook again. Just uh, the the pitch, brother, and it doesn't even really need to be a pitch. Uh, it's it's another fine work by you and the crew. Yeah, 160 pages, uh, about 50, 45. 50,000 words. So there's plenty to get you from there from next week when it drops to Ireland, um, really in depth in terms of the position previews and then the, the team and opponent previews, which a lot of stuff we talked about here. Uh, and then of course the whole front third of that book is what I consider, you know, our best, our best attempt, our best feature writing, uh, throughout the year. So some, some good stories there that I'm excited for people to see that you can kind of sink your teeth into and sit with a little bit. Cranach, it'll be story time, man, over the Atlantic. Let's do it. Let's do it. I, I plan to sleep, though, on a lot of that flight. So, yeah, maybe on some of the layovers, Amsterdam. Read a little right. Hale Varsity magazine in, in Amsterdam. We Words do. I thought I would never say. Fumble Ruski, again. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Which I believe is, uh, that's Dutch, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. That term. Okay. Vogues, I'll, I'll come. I'll come up with a with a prize. I don't know what it is yet, but for you to have a layover in Amsterdam, if we get a subscriber in Amsterdam, uh, there there will be there will be a, a prize at the end of it. May I uh, may I ask what the prize is uh, in Amsterdam? You can't, but I don't know yet. I, I mean, I, I got two months to think about it. That's pretty good. Uh, Vogues's Amsterdam connections will come through. I love it. Vogues, take care. Thanks for a few minutes today. I'm looking up Dutch names right now. Um, (laughs) So it looks like Floris or Annika. We'll see if we can get Annika signed up. 
Okay. Excellent. We're, we're going to find an Annika in the airport. That'll 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 yeah. happen. Yeah. Brand, uh, Brandon, take care, take care, buddy. Uh, say hi to Junior, and we'll make sure uh, we get that home run ball for you in the altitude today. Good deal. Thanks, guys. See you, bud. Thanks. There he is, Brandon Vogel, with us from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Good stuff for him. Uh, a quick timeout. He is Mr. College World Series with Westwood One. Uh, Gary Sharp going to be with us, the Iron Horse. We'll talk some ball as uh, we roll forward on a weekend edition Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. And then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Back with your weekend editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio uh, in uh, South Denver. The, uh, I think, JV Southwest crew. They are wearing red, uh, are loading up. They play this morning at, I don't know, 9. We are off to Castle Rock at noon central. And then it is uh, Rockies baseball tonight for for Husker night. We bring in the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, with us. He is. uh, Who do the Rockies uh, got tonight? Uh, I don't. I think it's San Diego, which will be which will be great. Nice. But Sharpie, you uh, you know the NHL, brother, and uh, it's Avs mania here for the Stanley Cup. I don't know that we can get into <laughs> to, to the nosebleeds for eight hundred. Sounds like across course, there's going there of all watch parties. Have you uh, in your time and travels? Have you ever uh, got to participate in a, uh, a finals level watch party ever? Uh, not a watch party, but when the Abs uh, won the Stanley Cup with uh, Ray Bork, uh, I went to one of the games. It was mm-hmm. unbelievable. That was the old McNichols Arena, not the used to be the Pepsi Center. Pepsi Center, Pepsi Center now it's the Ball Arena. Uh, you know, Colorado is a good hockey town, mm-hmm. and the Avalanche have been really good. And that that scene on uh, Wednesday night was incredible, and it'll be another one. That's a that's a great Stanley Cup. But Colorado, you know, Colorado's a good sports town. Unfortunately, they have the Broncos there, uh, but they've been a good hockey town since the Avalanche uh, moved from Quebec. Did I say that? Yes, yeah. I did. Well, Gary, it's it's you no. Know, there's there's a Nordique jersey, but hanging behind the uh, the front desk here. I mean, it's it's really a cool jersey, but if if someone from Quebec walks in here, they may lose it. I mean, it's a slap in the face as a reminder. <laughs> Look, I'm going to have to transition this from hockey to baseball because we have Gary Sharp on, and he's the quintessential baseball guy, to be honest, right? So, so, Gary, there's so much baseball I want to get into. Real quick, real quick to kind of localize it to where Schmidt's at tonight. It's going to be Rockies Padres tonight. Tell me if you you rock with me here on this. 
I feel like the Padres could legitimately change the sport to some degree and attract an entirely different legion of fans because I'm not sure on the major league level I've seen a team with swag, however you define it, quite like the Padres. Even their home environment is just different. Their young stars kind of behave. They're almost like, you know how Tennessee was like obnoxious this year with kind of their swag and celebrations? Padres are just more of like a professional polished version of that do do you agree that the Padres have something that could kind of reinvigorate the sport if they're to go on a run and actually advance to you know maybe a uh, playoff finals or a or a world series even yeah this might be the year that's a great point Mark because this is the best start that they've had and remember probably the guy that has the most swag on that roster Fernando Tatis Jr. hasn't even played this year I mean imagine when he gets back yeah they're they're a fun team. Uh, you know, they have some big personalities, and they're really good. You know, I, I think I think we're making the transition in baseball where, you know, the old school, get off my lawn, it's kind of like, okay, if the sport is going to evolve, it's evolving because you have younger players that have grown up, some of them in Latin America, where the celebration is part of the game, that it makes the game fun. You know, I, I think people were put off by Tennessee, uh, and maybe Tennessee pushed it to another level but they knew what they were getting if they won or if they didn't win. You know, it was kind of interesting last night uh, compared to the regionals and super regionals up here in Omaha in the College World Series. The, the, the stuff was kind of subdued. You didn't see a lot of bat flips. You had more business-like teams playing. But if baseball is going to attract a new generation, they have to make it a, you know, a little bit appealing where guys can have fun. And San Diego is that. And I, I will guarantee this. If you're playing the San Diego Padres on Father's Day, do you even have a chance of winning if you're the Rockies tomorrow? <laughs> That's a really funny Probably I just, not. It took me like four <laughs> seconds to understand that one. That's really good. <laughs> Thank you. El Dia de Padre. That's very good. Um, mm-hmm. So if, another follow-on baseball, College World Series field. You always want the College World Series. It's a great thing for the state of Nebraska, great thing for Omaha. But I have never seen a field with more kind of like Husker hate embedded with it than this one. So Texas makes it. You're like, Notre Dame makes it. You're like, come on. You know, Oklahoma. Like, what? Like, what is happening here? Have you seen a field at the College World Series that is sort of less intriguing from that standpoint? Like, where's the Stony Brook or the East Carolina or the something? Besides kind of these teams that you've seen so many times, and especially the ones that no love lost between Husker fans and some of these squads. Yeah, it was interesting last night in the late game between Notre Dame and Texas because if you're a neutral Nebraska fan that comes to College World Series, who do you root for? Um, People found themselves, I think, yeah, yeah, I think people found themselves rooting for Notre Dame. I'm going to tell you a quick little story. So Link Jarrett, I'm a huge Link Jarrett fan. He's the Notre Dame head coach. They could have been here last year, but they got beaten a super by Mississippi State. They're really, really good. I mean, what they did last night against Texas was pretty impressive. So he went to Florida State. He was at Florida State in the early 90s. His wife is a cheerleader, a former cheerleader at Florida State. His parents still live in Tallahassee. Oh, by the way, the Florida State job is open. A lot of people expect he'll wow. be offered the job once the season is over. But he was on the sidelines for the 93-94 Orange Bowl when Florida State and Nebraska played. So talking to him earlier this week, I said, you know, people around here sometimes are a little iffy on Notre Dame. And I said, here's the way to 
to warm people up for Notre Dame, did William Floyd fumble going over the goal line? He said, absolutely, he did. <laughs> He's in. Go Irish. <laughs> Yeah, wow. <laughs> he's uh, he's now the favorite. What's the uh, what's the the reception been, Sharpie, with with Arkansas? That's a question I had, and a lot of folks had. You know, as they as Dave Van Horn got again back to Omaha. You know how things were chippy with Nebraska v Arkansas a year ago. Is, is there still the uh, soft spot for Van Horn and Arkansas? With, with the Nebraska contingent that makes their way to Omaha? Well, I think we'll find out today, but I, I imagine there, there will be because of DVH. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to believe, and I, I said this to him yesterday. It's hard to believe he's been there for 20 years. You know, we're, we yeah, just celebrate some anniversaries of Nebraska going to the College World Series under Dave, and he's been there for 20 years. You know, last year, that was a hotly contested regional, and that was a that was a super team. And Arkansas didn't make it the last three years. That I'm one national seed, which has been great, hasn't made it here. They're a different team. They're kind of like a plucky underdog that is really good. That got hot at the right time. That you knew was going to be good. They just didn't have Kevin Copps compared to last year. But I I think people around here still remember not only what DBH did put Nebraska baseball on the map. But what happened against Oregon State when he was on the cusp of winning his first national championship? Because he's an elite coach in the game of college baseball. And you remember the misplayed pop-up in foul territory. They kept the inning alive for Oregon State. They win that game. They force a game three. They win that game. And Arkansas's hearts are broken. Well, I think people are still like, oh, man, it'd be great to get one for DBH. So I don't think any carryover from last year will be uh, prevalent. Um, and, and you may never know because there are so many Arkansas fans that have made the drive up here to Omaha. That ballpark this afternoon is going to be packed full of uh, Wu-Pig Suey. Gary Sharp's with us here on the Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And, Gary, I think you're, you're – you nailed it with the fact that there's still a lot of love for Dave Van Horn in the state. And I think Arkansas will be somewhat popular up at Omaha this year. But when you look at just all the personalities uh, on the rosters this year, you got the, the Hispanic Titanic and Ivan Melendez. Uh, you've got Sonny DeShera, who is hitting bombs for Auburn while built like your dad. And then uh, I mean, <laughs> elsewhere, you got Tim Elko, the, the mustache for Ole Miss. I mean, these are all guys who could end up being some fan favorites. So I want to get your power ranking of guys that are playing in the College World Series this year that you think are going to end up being some, some crowd favorites in Omaha? Well, for people that don't know, the Hispanic Titanic is not a boat. He's a baseball player who's got 32 home runs. Uh, with the guys, the ball last night, yesterday at, at, at Charles Schwab Field, the ball carried. There were home runs. There were a lot of runs scored. A lot of people now are saying, hey, there's something wrong with the baseball that it might be juiced because home runs and offense are through the roof this year in college baseball. I think there's other things. Guys are a little bit older. Uh, they had the COVID year. You see, you know, you see 24-year-old guys that are on college rosters and the draft being cut down. So college baseball is loaded, especially at the plate. But in terms of the ranking, Yvonne Melendez is great, and that's a great story. But how can, as you alluded to, Elijah, Looks like your dad. He gives all of us middle-aged men. Sonny Tachera, the first baseman for Auburn, he is thicky mantle. I mean, he looks like you know, he could be playing a different sport. He says, and he is not afraid to say it, I'm 6'1", 253 pounds. He's got a boiler. He's fun to watch. Oh, by the way, he's got 22 home runs. He's my number one guy that we're attracted to. And I think all the dad bods that will be sitting in the stands tonight watching Auburn Ole Miss play, they were like, man, how old is that kid? Check his birth certificate. That's what I look like out there playing in the old uh, beer league on uh, Sundays, uh, still swinging the sticks. 
Man. I was going to say, you know, with, with DeShera in particular, he is probably one of those can't miss. Kyle Schwarber, I think you have to go back to Kyle Schwarber, where it's like you see a guy come in, you're just like, that is just a classic, ridiculous slugger that's going to make it, right? They're going to make it, and you're going to see yeah. him in the big leagues at some point. You'd put DeShera in that category too, wouldn't you? Yeah, and, and you know, and I know when people look at baseball, they say, well, you know, you have to be an athlete to be a baseball. Look at Prince Fielder. Look at Cecil Fielder. You know, he doesn't have the greatest body, but gosh, he has great quick hands. His hand-eye coordination and the way he brings the, the bat through the strike zone, that's why somebody will play. You know what? He looks like that. He looks like Dan Volgebach, who is making a living in the majors. But he can swing it, and he can hit the home run, and he's a lovable character that doesn't shy away from what he looks like. I, I, I think, you know, that's, a, that's the thing about college baseball is, you look around, and, and as some of these rosters, I mean, there's guys that look like they should be playing football, not baseball. He's the guy that you go, okay, I'm interested. Thicky Mantle, playing first base. And then you see him swing the bat, and you're like, oh, boy. Man, there is part of a mantle, uh, a part of his nickname. Yeah, he looks like beer league softball monster. Like we, we, yeah. you need more John Kruk body types in baseball, don't we, fellas? <laughs> we love it. You know, you know T's 13 has got him, like, that is such an old school softball reference you get extra points today for that man this is good gary sharps with this weekend edition hail varsity radio sharpie will we'll let you get out on this and a lot of off-season factors for for nebraska as we're warming up here another friday night lights a a thought on on davon hall from from bell west was part of the uh, contingent, another in-state uh, prospect. Nebraska has more and more in-state kids and, and uh, Hall just down the road from you. And then second part here, what is your feel or read on the Chuba pretty momentum slash storyline? Okay, uh, good story by the World Herald earlier this week on his injury and, and you know how serious a contender is Chuba. Uh, for that job. Hit both of those for me. Well, I think Hall is an elite pass catcher. He plays in a great offense with Mike Huffman. We've seen that before with wide receivers that have played there under Huffman from Kay Johnson, C.J. Johnson, Keegan Johnson, uh, Xavier Betts, uh, the Duckers. You know, if you're playing in that offense and you're a pass catcher, Caden Helms, Micah, Riley Ducker, you're going to catch passes and it's going to make you, you know, improve your game to keep up with everybody else. And He's somebody that, you know, popped onto the radar as an eighth grader, and he's continued to get better. He's definitely on Nebraska's radar. And you gotta, you don't, you don't have to go to Louisiana to get all your wide receivers. And Mickey Joseph realized that if we have a guy in the backyard like Hall that can play in the Big Ten, that's the key. Because I think Mickey looks at some of his wide receivers and go, why are they here? They can't play for me. They can't play in the Big Ten. But when he's aggressive after Hall, that shows you that Mickey, who has a keen eye for talent, says that guy can play in the Big Ten. We can't let him get away. You know, and, and Nebraska's doing the right thing in recruiting him, and he showed up last night. I mean, that's a, that, that kind of setting is where he's going to thrive. Now, the other thing to keep in mind about Purdy, we are 10 Saturdays away, beginning today. We're 10 Saturdays away from the start of the season. We are getting into the peak off season where you've got to create content, you've got to talk. That was a good article on Purdy, and he's somebody that you would have liked to see at full strength for the first time in his career to go through a spring football um, I think he's a threat. I still think this is Casey Thompson's team. And I think Casey Thompson is operating like he is QB number one. But I think the reason why they haven't 
anointed Thompson or said he's number one is because they want to see Purdy at full strength. And that's a huge benefit for Nebraska. The more that Purdy can develop and push Casey Thompson, but also be in a spot, guys, we know this. At some point during the upcoming season, the backup quarterback is going to play an extensive amount of football. And if Purdy is up to speed and he's right there with Thompson, you're not going to see a drop-off. But you also have to think, all right, Purdy's looking at this as, okay, I'm going to challenge Casey Thompson. I'm going to be right there with him. But maybe Casey Thompson is a one-year guy, and that's Purdy's job next year. I think that's a, that's a nice little duel to watch when we get to fall camp. But Casey Thompson's number one, Purdy's number two. And then number three probably smothers because of experience. Um, but I think Nebraska likes where they could be with one and two. Gary Sharp with us. So you just laid out the quarterback rundown. Would it behoove Nebraska to get Smothers some red zone time, Sharpie, like Minnesota did a year ago? I mean, do you, do you find a role for Logan? Yes, he's the he's a backup. Yes, he's a guy who played well enough to win against Iowa. But this is where Nebraska is going direction-wise with either Thompson or Pretty at quarterback. So Smothers, you're going to stick and stay, dude. Good for you. But let's get you. Let's get you some role with the the run pass option side of things. Could that be part of uh, of his future in 2022? Uh, I, under Mark Whipple, I don't see it, uh, yeah. and I'm not a huge fan of that because I think maybe you have a quarterback QB number one that you could you feel confident running that. I just don't think Whipple is the kind of guy that does that. You know, Smothers is going to have an important fall. You know, Logan. I think Logan feels like he's still in the hunt. Um, but can he do enough to be right there with Purdy? I, I, I believe, guys, the Nebraska feels pretty good about their quarterback room. And they feel, they feel like you, you can go past one and you get to two and maybe even three that if need be, they're going to step on the field and you're not going to take a major step back. That hasn't happened in a while that Nebraska has the depth, the kind of depth and the kind of feeling they have about their quarterback room, which is a good thing that they need QB1 to feel, you got to feel really good about QB1. Well, I think, guys, after they announce the Big Ten Media Days, I wouldn't be surprised if, one, Casey Thompson is a captain, or, two, Casey Thompson is one of the three that represent Nebraska. Absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll be headed to Indy soon enough as the, uh, the coaches are down for a little coffee and eggs here. Southwest uh, Remax ready to go today at 1130 and use that altitude uh, for good measure, Junior got a couple of bunts down yesterday, and we are uh, 2-0. and Sharpie, uh, always appreciate you, your knowledge, and thank you as busy as you are with your Westwood One duties and College World Series coverage. Thanks for giving us some time today, bud. Hey, thanks, guys, and uh, to you, uh, both of you, and uh, the rest of your listeners. Happy Father's Day to everybody. Yeah, I appreciate you, Sharpie. Thanks, thanks so much. That is good stuff. Uh, the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp with us. Cranach, uh plans tomorrow. Or you, you have ball, or what, what do you got going this weekend? No ball tomorrow, which is good, man. Going to just okay. relax. Sleep in for Father's Day, hopefully. We'll see. Yeah, Cranach smiling about that. Elijah, you're up in a bunch of ball games. Yeah, I'm just going to try to avoid getting heat stroke, so. <laughs> That's, That's my plan for the weekend. That's a solid outlook right there. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for spending time with Hale Varsity Radio Weekend. Monday, we will have College World Series coverage. No Hale Varsity Monday. I'll be making my way back from Denver. But uh, we'll be ready to rock on uh, Tuesday at 4. 
And uh, Cranach, best to you. Elijah, appreciate you much. Get the podcast and uh, be sure to subscribe to that. Hail Varsity Radio, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Happy Father's Day. Take care. Talk to you next week on Hail Varsity. A Huda Media Production.